I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's got to 2-2 two, two and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil. Hello, welcome to another Touchy Gooners podcast. It's your boy Dan Coogs on hosting duty today. I'm joined by my my namesake, um, German. How you doing, man? I'm all good, man. I'm all good. Yeah, so um, you know, we're still, still, still. I guess things are still good for Arsenal at the moment. You know, drop points um, on the weekend, one-one uh, against Southampton. Um, a bit of a strange match, I thought, to be honest. Um, I thought we really started well, faded in the second half, um, and we weren't able to leave with the the three points. So, you know, right at the start um, of this, I'll say, first things first, me and Lewis, we did um, sort of like an instant reaction, recorded earlier this week, straight after the game, uh, that we released on Monday. So if you do want the, I guess, the unfiltered... Um, post-match thoughts, then make sure you sign up to the Patreon. Um, we've got post-match reactions, we've got preview podcasts, we've got all sorts of stuff um, that that we post up there, so you don't want to miss out on that extra content. So, you know, if you haven't yet, make sure you go subscribe. But, yeah, now now we've had some time to think, to digest, to take in some of the Ops results. We, you know, we've we, we seen Spurs uh, drop points as well. Um, this can be a more measured um approach and i know dan loves the measured approach when it comes to analyzing <laughs> analyzing football right so you know let's let's get into it man so what were your what were your thoughts on on the game overall when i start i think i start first half 
first half, I think first half we, we played well. Um, I think tactically, Jesse Marsh did not... No, I say Jesse Marsh. I think tactically... Um, who did we play again? Southampton, <laughs> yeah, Hasnutter didn't set them up well because um, he essentially... Um, you know, gave us gave us the center of the park. I think they tried to come over the wide areas and tried to. I know we are very active in the wide areas, so it's strategy in some way made sense. But then we have, you know, we have someone with a lot of quality midfield, and that person played quite well in the first half. That person is Partey. Um, so essentially, what what happened is that Hasner to set out to defend. I think I uh, think he set out to defend uh, under and overlaps, but. Um, because he left us space in the middle, we interchanged in the middle quite well. Um, basically, I think enticed Southampton and then still managed to do our under and overlaps out wide. So, you know, his, 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 his default tactic didn't work at all. And we really panned them for, you know, most of that first half. We should have been out of sight in that first half. That was one of them games where you've got to finish that game, you know, in the first half, 3-0, body bag is done. Uh, and we didn't do that. Um, and the comebacks will haunt us, really. But, um, you know, first off, I think we played really well. I think Udegaard was very bright. He, um, he was pretty sharp. He created, uh, I think, a lot of good chances and good opportunities. So um, another away game um, and a ground where you'd say, oh, that's a bit of a difficult game for Arsenal. Well, I think he played well. And that's back-to-back. I think in Leeds away, he played pretty well as well. Um, Partey was very good in the first half, as I said. He was shocking in the second half. I think Xhaka overall had a great game. He scored a goal as well. Um, I think Xhaka's probably our most consistent midfielder. I feel like Partey can have a very good game um, and then can have a, you know, not. I think Partey is like inconsistent within games, to be honest. Mm. Like this game shows, like he can have a very good spell, 30 minutes, completely dominate, and then ends up us scoring or, you know, ends up us being really on top of a game. And then if he slows down a little bit, we kind of lose that control. We kind of lose that grip over the game. Uh, and with Udegaard, you know, I think creative players always have that. They're not always there 100%. They go through the motions. Udegaard is someone that does have a, a lot of touches, but, you know, he, I, I, I do think he um, his form is not inconsistent, but more up and down. I think Xhaka is um, probably the most consistent. You know what you're going to get every week. Every every week you get the same thing in some respects. He's added now goals, so we're getting a bit more than what we usually get. But he's, he's been good for over a year. You know, it's, it's fair to say... He's a good and he's a key player for Arsenal, 100%. Um, so, yeah, disappointing game, you know. Um, but as you said, I like I like to be measured. I like to be objective. You always have to take it. Um, I always have to look at the bigger picture. If you'd have told someone, or any Arsenal fan, you know, 11 games and we would be 9-1-1, I mean, everyone would have taken that. Everyone would, would have, you know, ripped your hand off for it, really. And um, a lot of the concerns a lot of fans had were, oh, before the World Cup, we're going to be in trouble. Um, we're probably going to start dropping points. It's not really something I'm that worried about. You know, everyone is fit. We have a few niggling injuries like Dinchenko and ESR um, have been a bit of a signal for us um, so far. Majority of the squad is fit. Um, we're still in pole position. Um, we've won, you know, flipping nearly 90% of our games um, in the league. And um, yeah, I mean, crazy start. And we have only three more games to go for, before the World Cup. And those three games are one game at home, two games away. I think the Wolves game away is um, we should be winning that probably. 
Um, Chelsea is a bit more tricky, but we usually have good. We well, we've been having a good record at um, Stamford Bridge for a number of years now. And the next home game is Nottingham Forest. I mean, for me, I'm looking at a positive outlook here. Um, the draw felt a bit like a loss because we just this year we've just been used to winning games. Like yeah. you know, we have a smasher team where we just kind of win one nil and you know see it out. Um, but you know, in grand scheme of things, you know, we're moving. Um, and um, hopefully we we'll be able to finish the next three games strong and then there'll be a long break until December 26th, you know? Mm. So, boy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, some really good points there, man. Some really, really good points there. And I think, you know, a few things that we can, um, I think, dive into. I think let's, let's start with Partey, right? Because I think that first half, as you said, he was superb, man. He was looking like proper Rolls-Royce midfielder playing the passes in between the lines. They couldn't really get anywhere near him. Um, and in that first half, we created a bag of chances, you know, a bag, a bag, a bag of chances. You know, there was um, Jesus chopping in off the left, um, cutting in again. Yeah, that brother back. likes to chop. Pause. He loves <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's Chop City with him, man. Um he had he had two two chances in the first half. Martinelli he like ran through their whole team almost at the edge of the box, uh, narrowly wide. I think Jacka had an effort that went straight at the keeper. Um, you know we obviously Erdegaard. got our goal. Um, Erdegaard had an effort. Um, I think uh, we had the penalty shout as well, and then obviously we Not scored a our shout. It was yeah, a shout. it was a penalty. A penalty, you know, and we 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 scored our goal right, and so. You know, I'm looking at this game and I'm and I said it on the main pod. I was watching it during the main pod and I was like, you know what, I thought it was gonna be two 0 I'm thinking it could be three or four the way that first half was was going, the way it was turning out, and it was chance after chance, and you were just thinking, right, when's the second one gonna come? Um, rather than if it would come, kind of thing. And I thought, you know, Partey was a main reason for that. Um, and I think you're right in the sense that, you know, it seemed that Southampton really gave us the middle of the pitch. Um, and this is one thing that I do notice now is that we have um, a real dual threat in terms of where we can hurt teams, you know. And I think when you think back to, um, I think, Una Emery's first game at Anfield, was it his first game at Anfield? No, Pepe, I think it was Pepe's like debut or his first start in an Arsenal shirt or something like that. And he decided to give Liverpool the wide areas um, and really clog up the middle. And, you know, I think the analysis of that game was, you know, you have to pick one or the other because Liverpool, if you didn't, you know, block the wide areas, they could hurt you down the middle with, you know, Firmino, um, etc. And I feel like that was something that I really wanted us to aspire to back then because I thought we were just, we just lacked threat, really wide or central. Um, and I think that's what this is showing, the way that teams are sort of trying to um, deal with us and manage us is that we have multiple threats um, going forward. You know, uh, Leeds last week, they tried to clog up the middle um, and we hurt them in the wide areas in that first half, you know. Um, Southampton tried tried the opposite. Our welcome brother, Sean. Um, <laughs> Southampton tried the opposite and we hurt them down the middle, you know, with Erdegaard and Partey pulling the strings um, early on and, um, and Jacker as well. You know, so um, I do want to praise Arteta for the development of the team because I do think now we have um, quite a, a strong threat in all areas of the pitch. Um, but 
Um, I think the the main thing that I would take away from that first half is is probably Gabriel Jesus and his um, his finishing ability, right? So we have this question here from uh, John Muku on the YouTube comments, right? And he said, "Do y'all think?" Uh, Jesus drops too deep and in the process gets tired quickly, especially with the number of games being played. Could the midfielders do more to help him put in less energy? Boy, I, I think I said this during the game. I was like, yo, Jesus is coming quite deep. Does he need to be that deep? I, I think I actually said that in the group chat. But I think it's not, it's not something that... Um, I think it's something that he does naturally. He just wants to be on the ball. He wants to be on the ball. He wants to be involved. When he feels like the ball ain't there, he's like, all right, I'm going to go and get it. You know, I'm going to bring it forward. If you guys are just passing around the back, I'm going to go and, you know, turn and bring the play forward. And I think in some way it's, it's great mentality, um, you know, because you want to make things happen. You, you feel like it's your responsibility to make things happen. And it's a complete change and shift to what we used to from... Like as the end of Bamiyang, you know, Bamiyang, I was defending him for a long while, you know, I was, <laughs> I was really, I was really his lawyer for, for a little bit, but that man was on the periphery of games. He was chilling, you know, if the chance is not coming to me, it's not my, it's not my fault. So Jesus has a completely different mindset to these guys and he has a different ability. He can fashion things out of nothing. That being said, that man scoring consistency is scary. It is. And I've said this as soon as, you know, we signed them, I said, this guy looks like a quality player. Like he has got a lot of, you know, what's, what's I keep forgetting the saying. Strings to his boat is that is that's the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you English people, your language is fucked anyway. But uh, he's got a lot of strings. To, <laughs> he's got a lot of strings to his bow. So, um, I feel like, you know, the strongest string that you want them to, to have is is probably finishing, but it's not because he's like he's such a he's such a great um all rounder that he doesn't. It doesn't necessarily say he's nine out of ten in finishing. He's probably like a seven out of ten in finishing. So he falls short there. Boy, but then I think crazy, seven's, crazy, seven's high, man. Seven's high. Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you say we're putting we're putting that we're putting some tax on that. Yeah, yeah, big tax on that, man. Well, you say big Rushi's tax. gonna approve that. <laughs> Boy, he might need to go hit up Paul Pogba's witch doctor, man. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to get a coach by Henri, man. Can you do mm. it one time, first time? Mm. Can you do it one mm. touch? But no, he definitely has. I think he, he definitely is not proficient as a finisher. He, but he gets chances. So that's like the you know the, the net that you're looking at here. But boy, um, I don't know. I feel like he's gonna go through patches, and I feel like in some games he's just gonna be absolutely amazing. Score two, create you know two, and then some games he's gonna be you know getting chances, missing them, but he's still gonna be able to affect the game positively so i think as as long as we have other threats around them we should be fine and i think we could have won that game other people had chances in that game as well Udegaard, um jacques had a chance um saka uh, martinelli they all had chances you know so we could still win that game even with him not being clinical um so yeah i think mm -hmm. his knock-on effect on the team is too great to then you know really try to lay into him because he's a fantastic player mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and Sean, what, what's what's your thoughts on that? I'll let you chime in. Um, welcome, by the way. Yeah, I feel like, and and I I need to see it more. But what I'm noticing with Jesus, funnily enough, is that he actually tends to finish better when he's just on the ends of moves. So what tends to happen is I've noticed when he's dropping deep and he's trying to 
you know, fashion chances for himself. He does all of that hard work. And then when he comes to, you know, executing that final action, he's either tired or he's off balance. Um, so, because he doesn't have, he's not slow. Like he's got, you know, he's got that agility to be able to weave in and out of stuff, but he's not got explosive, explosive pace. So I, I feel like what he tends to do, yeah, he goes on like marauding runs, but he knackers himself out doing it. And then when it comes to the final action, he's not set. Whereas if you look at the goals he scored this season, when he's just applying the final action himself, where that's all he's had to focus on, um, generally it's been okay. So, you know, coming back to that question from John, I think it's just the case of he probably needs to strike the balance himself between, you know, how often he wants to drop, how often he wants to rotate with Martinelli in games. And, you know, yeah, I remember Dan mentioned it during the game, you know, talking about him dropping deep. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that he needs to work out himself because obviously I think Arteta's given him the freedom to interpret the game, interpret the game the way he wants. Um, but we need him to score, bro. So at the moment, that's five and ten league games. So currently you're still one and two, which is okay. But, you know, realistically speaking, if, you know, all the chances that you've had, you could be sitting on 10, 11 goals here yourself currently. So uh, catch 22, it's I'm happy that, you know, he's a striker that's able to fashion chances for himself because Obra and Lacazette couldn't create chances for themselves. They were heavily reliant on the team. Um, but he doesn't have the same, you know, in addition to the fact that, you know, he's probably better at creating that, he doesn't have the same shooting efficiency that either of those two did. Because one of the things, funnily enough, about Lacazette was that he he didn't get any chances. But funnily enough, he was actually a very clean striker of the ball when actually Lacazette did shoot. So, you know, in an ideal world, you'd be able, be able to amalgamate all of the, the qualities together. And that and that fat idiot has gone back to France and he's all of a sudden, he's, he's lost he's looking, 10 yeah. and he's just hey. scoring every game. And it's rattling me. Because when we needed you to be doing that last season, you weren't doing that. So, um, so yeah, but overall, I don't know with Jesus, man. Hopefully, you know, he can iron out the patchiness. Um, oh, he better. Yeah, yeah he, he needs to. He needs to. But, yeah, you know, like you said, overall, we had more than enough chances in that first half. And we need to learn, you know, this is actually not just applicable to Jesus. It's applicable to the rest of the team. As a team, generally, we're not a very ruthless team. So... And if we're going to have those periods where we fatigue and tire heavily in second halves, we need to make sure that those periods of dominance um, that we're on top, we capitalise. And I'm not even saying like 3-4-0. If we had scored a second goal in this game alone, that would have killed the game. You know, it was just the fact that we had a one goal lead precarious. Southampton didn't even do much in the second half. They had like, you know, some territory, long balls, set pieces, but they didn't actually pepper us like that. So, you know, if we had had a second goal, I think 2-0 would have been enough to, two goals would have been enough to win that game. So, yeah, definitely, man, definitely. And I think um, the frustrating thing about the game for me is that Southampton, we bet they basically scored their their one big chance. You know, they literally didn't create much. I didn't really feel um, in any danger from any of their attacks at any point. It was mainly just um, when we made some some errors at the back in possession. It's that it was almost unforced errors, as they say in tennis. Um, where they weren't even really putting us under pressure from the press, really, um, and um, and they scored it. And we, we, you know, even when they did score, I actually felt that, you know, we we'd come back and score again, um, to because that's how poor they were on the day. So I think it is um is a, a bit disappointing to not be able to leave there with three points. But you know that is actually an improvement on um, on last season where. 
we lost there one nil, you know. So I think comparing it to last season's results, we're still positive, very very positive. I think I think we might even be like plus nine or something um, compared to the equivalent fixtures from from last year. So that puts us in good stead, you know, for our targets um, this season. So you know, I, I do think with Jesus, um, I saw his comments today where he said. Um, you know, he's 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 going to keep trying and in the next game, he's going to score 100%, right? And I do think, you know, if we're going to be objective, we look at it, five goals in 11 is not the worst return. You know, if he scores the next game, it'll be six in 12. That'll basically be one in two. Um, and, you know, that's not a terrible return. Um, I think it's actually quite a good return for most strikers, but... Um, I think one thing that we need to also acknowledge is the fact that he's bringing a lot to the team other than goals as well, right? So, you know, overall, um, I'm very, very pleased with his contribution to the team. And if you're looking at it, Martinelli's numbers have gone up. I think Martinelli's on four goals, two assists um, this season. I think Saka's on four goals, four assists. I think Erdegaard's on um, three goals, three assists. Is it? Um, Jack is on two goals, three assists. Um, so you're looking at it there in inside 11 games. Those are good, good numbers for your attacking midfielders and your wingers, right? And so, you know, I'm looking at it. Second most goals scored in the league um, behind Man City, who are doing uh, ridiculous, ridiculous things. Um, second most XG in the league, I believe. Um, and... <laughs> And really and truly, I think Jesus is a massive reason for that. The way that he um, is able to, you know, beat players off the dribble, create space for himself, create space for others with his movement, his his physicality up top and ability to, I think, retain the ball um, from long kicks from Ramsdale, from, you know, uh, long balls up front. And just, a, a, the, just his presence there, it's like having a big, big target man. This guy plays like Mikel Antonio. Um, when he when he's like one on one with a defender, despite being five five foot nine, he he dribbles and beats players like a winger, um, you know. And unfortunately, he doesn't quite shoot like a like like a top top striker. But he's he's con contributing with good goals uh, with a good amount of goals as well so far. So I think he hasn't scored in his last five. But you know, let's watch the next couple of games. I think he's got a good record against big teams. So. You know, Stanford Bridge, I back him to maybe get something there. And Northern Forest, you know, they're not they're not very good. They're, they're bottom of the league. He, he, and if he starts in that match, he might fill his boots. And we and then we, we might end up talking with him on, you know, eight in eight and thirteen, you know, or or eight and twelve or something like that. Um if yeah, uh, if he bags and, and those are very good, those are very good that's a very good ratio of goals to games, you know. So um, I'm not too worried. Yeah, yeah, it's early. And the thing is the thing is with Jesus is that I think we talked about this a few years back where we said, do you want a guy that scores all the team's goals or do you want to have four or five scorers across the, you know, across the board? And we're getting to a team now where we would have four or five players who potentially could end up with double figure goals. So, you know, I'm looking at Martinelli, I'm looking at Saka, I'm looking at Jesus and I'm looking potentially at Udegaard. You know, over all games and all competitions, he could end up double figures. And that's where we want to head rather than relying on one guy what, what we did with Aubameyang for years you have that guy he, I mean for that one year he was shooting like crazy and he was really winning us games but then when he when he's not on song 
you know, everyone is everything's geared towards him and you struggle. So, um, you know, whilst I think Jesus adds a lot, I could imagine that if Eddie comes in, you know, the team's still going to be pretty, pretty potent and we have threats all over the pitch. So, um, I think in terms of, you know, team progression, team where it's heading, and um, we're going into a better direction with what we have right now. And the threats are all over the pitch, you know, even midfield, Jacka as well. So, yeah, I, I was going to say, I just think, I think having a varied threat is important. You know, you mentioned Aubameyang there. I remember when Ruud van Nistelrooy was at Man United and he was like scoring the majority, majority of their goals, but they decided to get rid of him, you know, they finished second and then they created, they started to create around Rooney and Ronaldo, you know, and their team just overall just became a lot more potent as a result of it. Like, I, obviously it's great to have a central focus, but, you know, coming back to the point German Dan made, and no, actually Dan, it was usually made it just about, you know, we do have question marks over the scoring consistency, but, We've literally just seen our attack transform in the space of a few months. We were talking last season about how we were winning games on fine margins, how we were relying on, you know, just one goal to see us through. Um, we've created a shed load of chances this season in pretty much nearly every game. Erdegaard put on a clinic creatively at the weekend. We should have scored loads. We could, That first half alone, we could have scored four. Um, so I, I think, you know, overall, the team is a lot more balanced. I think you said, Jack, I think Jack has got three. Yeah, because he scored against Leicester, he scored against Leicester, he scored against uh, Spurs and he scored against Southampton. So, you know, you're you're looking at, there are already five players in the team with three or more goals, you know, Uh, we're sitting here. So we're all on course, you know, that front five essentially, because that's the way we have to look at it now. Jack is essentially part of that front five. They're all doing what they're supposed to do, you know, Mm. so... And I to, think to put yeah. that into context as well, like three goals, that's the same amount of goals Marcus Rashford has, yeah. Hume Min Song has, you know, and we've got a number of players having those numbers. Xhaka really, yeah. has three goals and three assists. You can't, that's productivity. Do you know what I mean? You couldn't ask for more. So they're all doing it at the moment. Yeah, so I, I, we might not end up having someone who bags like 25, 30, but we might have a nice spread of like, guys in between 10 to 20 goals like right like and you know like spread amongst us and that can work as well you know mm. that can work as well definitely definitely so um so coming on to the second half really um there's a few things that i think happened you know german you said you know hassan who clogged up the space he made 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 some uh, tactical change um and i felt that the game sort of shifted that not necessarily that southampton put us under pressure but i felt that we stopped we stopped being able to i guess create chances at will um for me in that in that second half and you know it's not quite the same for me as Leeds where i think we looked very 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 leggy um uh, in the second half especially but i thought that we essentially lost our ability to connect with um Saka and Martinelli in in the second half, and we saw them have very, very quiet halves. And I think they're they're so key to the way that we're attacking at the moment that we couldn't really get um, into into the rhythm. And I think there was other external contributors to that, um, which we will get onto um, in the referee. But what do you make of that second half? The second half, I think, in the last couple of weeks, um, we, our second half has always been the drop off. So we start very strongly. Um, I think I see a stat where when the game state is nil-nil, we are basically like the most, the second, I think we're nearly as dominant as City when, and as potent as City when the game state is literally like 
like nil nil. Um, but as soon as we score or one or two, you know, we drop off and we find us somewhere in the mid in the middle field and we become a bit more vulnerable. Um, I feel like teams still don't really create many great chances against us or good chances against us. Um, I think the majority of goals we've conceded overall in the season have been bozo moments, really. But um, in the last couple of games, we have been a bit more vulnerable. Um, I think especially the second ball. Um, so when teams are, um, you know, having a bit of territory, we're usually quite good at, you know, getting that second ball somehow, then breaking away and then a certain control again. And um, when we struggle to win that second ball, we don't get up the pitch and we, we're under the cosh. Um, and I think the teams we've met so far have not been, you know, amazing in creating chances. So we've been able to keep them at bay and we, we're pretty decent shape defensively as well. Um, but in our second half, I definitely felt like the connectivity, as you mentioned, um, was lacking. And I think a big, um, you know, a big proponent here was Thomas Partey and the drop-off and his quality of receiving the ball and then also moving the ball. Um, I mean, I bang on about us all the time, operation speed, operation speed dropped. So when he takes usually like one touch and he, he has already scanned and he knows where to pass it, he, he might in some instances take the touch, then look, and then all of a sudden he's already getting pressed. And um, that in the, um, that in, you know, um, in, um, in connection with Southampton, also up in the intensity because they felt like something has to be got here at Arsenal. Um, you know, that, that led in, into us losing territory, losing control. And um, I think other players seemed to drop off a little bit as well. I think I could tell that um, Tommy Yasser was not at the races for me in the second half. Um, couple, I think like he's very, very secure technically. So when you see him not like technically secure actions, you're like, yeah, this, this is not the game for him. So I felt it was good to take him off. I think the subs were shit apart from Tierney though. I think they all came on were pretty shit. Um, and I think we talk about this probably separately to the second half point that we're making now, but you know, I don't think they're getting again sequenced into good performances, which has been a pro, you know, it's been some it's been a criticism of mine from Ateta on Ateta for a while that I feel like he leaves players out in the cold too much and they don't get too many minutes. I know Eddie's played in the Europa, but it's not the same competitiveness as the Premier League. And um, Vieira's been used sparingly as well in this league. Um, and then you can't really expect him to come on and do much. Um, I think he shouldn't have brought Vieira on. That's the one I would I would definitely say shouldn't have been brought on. I think Udegaard was the only positive light really in the second half because he was able to establish some connection because the game was, you know, the game was haphazard. Um, but when he was getting the ball, he was able to find Jesus. And, you know, even though Jesus was missing, he was creating chances. At some point, you know, I think he took Odegaard off with 10 minutes to go. I think he could have created one or two more chances and we might have scored. Mm. Um, so I think that was a poor sub. He, he, yeah. he literally had just slapped one in, top bins, you know. Um, Before that uh, so, off, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I thought that's a strange one because you know the ones where a goal is coming. You know, a goal is coming, a goal is coming. And I think Arteta's done that before, actually. In um, If you think back to, was it the Europa? I think it was the Europa League um, when we played Villarreal. I think Aubameyang had literally just hit the post. Um, and then he took him off for Willian. And I was just thinking, like, come on. This guy, he, I think he, he'd headed one onto the post and second one he just hit, hit just wide. And I was just thinking, like, this, okay, fine. He's had to, the next one... Is 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 his chance, yeah? That he'll probably he'll probably score. And then I see 
his numbers coming up for William. And I just feel like, you know, sometimes you have to just let the momentum of a match play out. And it's not always a substitution that you need to, to really change a game because the momentum is already in your favour. And sometimes a substitution actually makes you lose momentum because, you know, as you said, those players aren't up to the speed of the game and up to the physicality um, and, and the intensity of it. And Vieira, for me, was so far off the pace when he came on. Um, he, he he looked like a fish out of water, to be honest. I think he yeah, lost he the ball. Already. He lost the ball twice very quickly after coming on. And then I, I remember there was like some set pieces. Hits one, hits it straight into the wall. Has opportunity to hit another one back into the box. And, you know, poor, poor delivery, you know, when we really needed the goal. And I think Arteta and his substitutions um, and generally the management of the squad, I would say, um, needs some work. Like, I saw a graphic this week where it said the amount of times that Arsenal um, have played the same 11 um, and we were the highest in the league, you know. Um, and I saw someone attributing that to be, you know, Arsenal have had, you know, a lot of availability in their first 11, this, that, and the other. But I don't think that's the case. Um, we've had a lot of injuries this year, um, in 2022 especially, um, and last year. And I just feel that... Arteta, I get not wanting to change a winning team, but sometimes you actually just have to pull people in and out, you know. And from working with Pep Guardiola, I would actually expect him to be slightly better at this because Man City, they always have a winning team, you know. Um, always, always, you know, they're always on a winning run, this, that, and the other. But as you said, Dan, when you talk about sequencing, sequencing players into... Um, into into form and into being a, being ready to to play, Pep rotates a lot. He rotates oh. probably more than more than M, M, like any other manager. You know, you try to pick a Man City player for fantasy football, you can't do it. Uh, you know? I hear I hear you guys, but to counter that, and this is the discussion we're having about squad quality. You know, the, there's too much of a disparity. Yeah. We don't have that same. This you can't rotate. Who do you want to rotate, Jack or a party for? You know, we're talking about, and obviously this is where I think. There's only like in defense you can rotate. You know, if you decide one day, you know, there's there's certain options to rotate and and the quality doesn't drop too much. But you know, who are you rotating Martinelli or Saka for? You can't rotate them out. You know, this is why we're talking about we need a winger. Who are you rotating part of your Jacarat for? Lukonga, the disparity is too big. Maybe if you had Zinchenko, maybe you could try him in midfield for a game or two. Um, the only one you could argue is maybe Jesus for Eddie. But generally speaking, I I don't. You know, this is where we're talking about the squad still needs work. Um, yeah, definitely. Ultimately, yeah, definitely agree with ultimately, why we're probably going to fall short and why we'll end up having games where we drop points just because the reality is we we can't we can't you know rotate accordingly. Fall, fall short, as, fall short of what, Sean? Yeah, fall short of what, bro? You guys are excited, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I need, no, I need clarification. I need clarification, listen, bro. Tell me what you mean, brother. Yeah, listen, listen, fall listen, short listen, of what? Listen, let, let, let us let us be guided and, and you know just focus focus <laughs> on, on getting back to the promised land. But um it's interesting you spoke about um you know the what happened, what went wrong in the second half. Cause I if you looked at Arteta's quotes after the game, I didn't feel like personally from my standpoint, I didn't feel like it was as much as like you see when you watch the Leeds game, yeah. I generally thought in that game their man were blaming us, as in they we looked hella. Fat- we looked hell off fatigued as in there was a level level of intensity in that second half that Leeds put in that I was like 
we can't keep up right now. Like we're generally like we're struggling. Whereas in Southampton, I felt like we brought on some of our issues upon ourselves. You know, in the post-match comments, Arteta spoke about we didn't want the game to become a transition game, but we started it. We allowed it to become a transition game because you know you spoke about party here. We were just giving away silly, needless balls. You know, yeah. as much as Saliba is my guy, there was one in the second half. We just played one dumb square ball, which you know just got intercepted. Party was turning over the ball. The distances, and, and you, know, you know, you know, you know how we're talking about exactly. You know how we're talking about. We're normally a really compact team. You know, from the from the defensive line to the attacking line, there's probably like a thirty meter gap. The distances are so minimal, so compact. But for some reason. I don't really know why we allowed it to get so stretched and you know players were just getting pulled out and pulled out apart and because of party you know was struck he wasn't progressing as well as he did in the first half Xhaka was then dropping deep but then that was creating bigger distances um you know with Erdogan so it was just it was a lot more disjointed in that second half um which I hope hopefully they, they work on but I didn't feel like it was partly maybe fatigue but I didn't feel like it was as much of a fatigue as, as the Leeds one was I think like we yeah, created a lot of the problems for against Southampton, um, whereas like Leeds, I can generally give them credit as in they were they were blaming us, so yeah, yeah, yeah I think I, I don't know if I said that if it was fatigue, but I agree, I think it was mainly you know, I think I think that I think we will, I personally believe we would have scored if Udegaard would have stayed on because he he was looking like the key, and you know, when players looking at a player like, yeah, this guy's he's on it today, I'm gonna get the ball to him when I get it. When yeah, Fabio Vieira came on, they gave yeah. it to him twice. He lost, and they were like, "Yo, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah." And 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 that's the thing. Even though even though you could say we were disjointed in that second half, when the ball was at Erdogan's feet, he still looked like he, you know, we he were going to create something. We still looked mm-hmm. like that was gonna was gonna pop off. So um, you know, so but yeah, I just think a combination of you know the team, maybe some of our Teta subs were were a bit you know questionable as well, like. Because one one thing I have an issue with is, you know, and I'm not sure, you know, the, the Tommy Yasu thing we've spoken about. And I thought for the Liverpool game, it was perfect. Liverpool played with four forwards, having four centre-backs inside, cool, no problem, you know, to combat that threat. But, you know, we're not going to need to face that every game. So I'm not sure. Arteta has this thing, you know, sometimes where he has a winning team and he just he just lets them, he, he feels that he has to reward certain people and let them keep their place in. But... You know, this is where I do agree with you, Dan, when you're talking about Rota. I don't, Tommy Asu didn't need to play. He didn't, he really didn't need to play. Like, just, K, this was the game for KT, especially, there was loads of room on the outside as well. And you saw when KT came on, I don't know who they had at right back. That guy was a clogger. Like, do you know what I mean? KT was getting in behind loads. And yeah, I just I just felt like... You know, the, probably... the thing is, yeah, sorry to interrupt. Tactically, yeah. I think against Leeds, I, I understood Tommy Asu again because I felt, K, Leeds... They're going to try to press us. They're probably going to clip a lot of balls into the channel. And I think Tomiasa was good in the air against them. A lot of balls were down that channel. They tried to get in behind Gabriel, tried to get in behind Tomiasa's side. Um, and I think he, he defended well. But going forward, he don't give you that much. Um, on the right side, he, he can be decent. On the left, he's very tucked in on the left, right? So I think Southampton, he should have started Tierney for sure. Um, and, you know, we didn't, we didn't, I mean, when he came on, he looked like a danger, you know? Yeah, massively, uh, massively. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
on your happy price, price line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I mean, sorry, but yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 it's, 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 I, I, I don't disagree. Like, I just feel, you know, for certain individual games, yeah, Tommy makes sense. But Tommy always wants to come inside, especially when he's at left back. So even though he's comfortable on both feet, like, there's still sometimes where you need, like, a natural left footer. Like, they just clip the ball around the outside for, like, Martinelli. Like, one thing I've noticed as well is that we tend to engage Martinelli better when there's a natural left footer on that side anyway as well. Um, so you need to tango back, man. I yeah, can't ba- like basically, you. yeah. Basically, I was going to say it's, in, it's 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 a weird one because obviously we know Zinchenko is not a great defender, but we do dominate games even more so when Zinchenko's on. Is in like that whole left hand side gets completely dominated. Remember how we were talking about right at the start of the season, so much so, whereas like we're like boy, I'm not even seeing Erdegaard and Saka much in games, you know, because because yeah. and and I think. Zinchenko is another one because he's also another foil for party. You know, when he steps inside, um, is in, you know, that's another passing lane, it's another passing angle, it's another point of progression. But listen, I don't know what my man is doing. You might be enjoying London lifestyle, but my brother, I'm gonna need you to get back on the pitch ASAP. Multiply because one, you can play left back, and two, I would rather see you centre mid than anyone else if Jacques or Party is not available. I didn't name. So, the man, the man that's talking crazy in the media. Get uh, <laughs> your head down and play, bro. <laughs> Get your head down and play. But yeah, but yeah. Snap, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, 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 yeah, let's see. I just think it, it comes back to the point about options. Having Zinchenko in ESR right now would be, you know, two different options, nice. which it, it'd be really nice. You know, we're talking from a technical standpoint. We, we spoke about how we struggle to sustain and keep the ball in the second half. Zinchenko and ESR would have helped us massively along those lines. So, so those two need to come back, and then obviously Brother Edu needs to activate in Jan as well. So, um, better not be sleeping yeah. in January, man. <laughs> Boy, they're telling me that funds are available, so I need to see some of them, some of them wallets being open, man. I need to see some cash being splashed. Um, to be honest, we need to be trying to pop bottles come May, yeah. So, I need to, I need to see something, man. I need to see something, but. You know, we had quite a few um, listeners' questions, but if, just before we get into that, um, I do want to shout out a couple of players who I think deserve uh, some credit for their performances in this game. So I think, obviously, we've talked about Xhaka. Again, he scored his third goal of the season, um, well, fourth goal of the season, all competition. Two goals in a week. Can I just say, yeah? Uh... He might be the cleanest ball striker in the team, bro. <laughs> you know mm. when Jacky hits it, he proper hits. Right. Bro, that finish was crazy, you know. Boy, his right, foot. right foot, you know the way he lined up. Week. Hey, he might have to take his user outside. Give him a little I'll, lesson, yeah. I, I was, I was saying as well. I feel like the cleanest ball strikers in the team are probably Jack as one of them. I'd have, I'd put KT up there as in a clean, you know, when really he clean ball striker. Um, El Nenny's a clean ball striker, to be fair. And to El Nenny's a very clean striker. El Nenny's a very clean ball striker. ESR's a clean ball striker. Yeah, ESR got that. 
Yeah, he's I got think that those are the ones, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think those are the main. Like you know when like you you talk talk about it to hit clean and hit true like through the ball like those are the ones are I proper I, trust to hit clean and hit. I hit think through I think ball. they actually sat and then he I think I've seen a few players say before that he he scores the most. Bro, like, listen, El Nenny doesn't El Nenny's. I swear all El Nenny's goals for Arsenal have come from outside the box. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure. Bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very evident, like, he hits it clean and true, so, mm. so yeah. Mm. So, yeah, Xhaka, two goals in a week off his right foot, um, you know, two very good finishes as well. Uh, I think the first one was was a volley, second one, first time, right foot. And then I think Gabriel Magaliash, he... Um, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Who? What? That's his name, man. Gabby, Gabby M, man. That's what we're going to call Gabby him. Gabby Magalhaes, no? Yeah, whatever you want to say, man. Um, Brexit, we, Brexit, we know Brexit, what I'm talking about, man. The man got a new... new, Rashid, new, new man. <laughs> Rashid Sanuk, bro. Um, he got he got a new headpiece um, in the summer, man, and I think uh, he's coming to a little bit of of criticism of late. But I think the last two games in the league, especially, I think he's been um, fantastic. He defended very very well um, in this game. I thought first half some of his passing was top 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 um, as well. Uh, and so I'm hoping that you know, whilst because I think Saliba has made a few errors in these past couple of games. Obviously, there was the penalty um, at Leeds. Uh, he did a, did a two two mistakes very similar in both games where he's passed it um, across to uh, Gabriel and um, he sort of done it too straight and too square so it's allowed the attacker to to run in so I think you know Saliba's maybe having um, a little bit of a shaky shaky time um, but he still ends up only misplacing three passes the whole game. Um, to be honest, so you know, not necessarily a major, a major, a major issue, to say the least. But um, you know, I think he's he's had a little bit of some shaky moments, and and I think Gabriel has um, been there to pick up the pick up the slack. So you know, I think that is a very very good partnership that's formed um, there. And and you know, if you want to include Ben White in that as well, I think the three of them playing together have been absolutely rock solid. Um, all season so long may long may that continue man um i'll let you guys chime in if you want to yeah, add anything on those two guys i feel like you know the, the last two games as well i feel like when it comes to like backs to the wall defending i feel like that suits gabriel more than anyone you know like think how many balls southampton and leeds chucked into our box over the last couple of games and you know anything airily he loves to eat that that's food and drink for him um he loves we've spoken about how he loves to get into duels whereas you know you know when we're talking about halfway line defending front line defending it, it seems like that suits Saliba a bit more you know I mean it doesn't it, it does suit him more you know Saliba looks a lot more composed at, with that whereas sometimes you know Gabriel can have some technical or mental errors um so but at the end of the day they're they're a complementary partnership you know I feel like you know, even though sometimes we talk about Gabriel not being as clean as, as maybe Saliba, I just feel like sometimes you need that as well. You know, you need that guy who's always in the wars, man. So I, I feel like they just, they caught, and, and Arteta, I think, mentioned it in his press conference. He said they complement each other where they may might be slightly weak. So um, it is what it is, man. So, yeah, no, I'm very happy with both of them. 
and they're both better than that Lissandro Lannister guy that they're trying yeah. to move on Muga. So yeah, yeah. Dan, anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, uh, um, I think Ben White, I've just you know, he's he's becoming a. I think he's already started last season, but for me, he's becoming um, a cult hero because this guy just comes, plays, drops seven out of tens. And doesn't give a shit about the game of football, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen this guy's press con? And uh, I say yeah. press conference, um, post post match interviews. He just don't give a damn. You know, he's just gonna go home. I know his babes probably cooked him something up. You know, probably got cold boxed in. You know, all the coming through. He don't give a damn about football, bro. He, it's just his job, you know. And he's coming to do a job, and he does it well, very well. So I just got big respect for him. And he, and it was a sick cross he put for Xhaka on Sunday. Yeah, well, yeah, well. yeah. He's actually given us. You know when we he's talked given... about that, releasing Xhaka and not Xhaka, Saka. Mm. What he needs an option on the overlap. Ben White is given them the option, you know. Mm. And uh, we we're finding some joy there. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. One hundred percent. You asked um, me to pay fifty m's again. I, I actually would. Whereas last time I, I, I was like, "Nah, man, just too much." I, 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 I think we've all been saying it in the group chat recently. Just, I think Leroy was saying it as well. Just to have a fifty million versatile option who can play centre back, right back comfortably, inside and outside. And I'm even shocked. Like, well, I'm not shocked, but because I knew he was quick, but you know, that's not always an easy adaptation to go from centre back to right back. You know, and the athleticism, we're talking about how he's getting up on the overlap. Brother, the guy's getting through. He wasn't running this much at centre-back, do you know what I mean? The amount of work the, the guy's now getting through every game is probably why he's coming off at like 75, 80 minutes now as well. So, slightly, slightly different. So, yeah, now I think he's been, I think he's a top player, man. Honestly, I think he's just generally a top, top player. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think he's probably, by the, you know, by why the football fans you know underrated he's outside of arsenal nobody gives outside of it's only arsenal fans that rate him nobody outside of arsenal cares about Mm. ben white but Mm. yeah don't really care man whatever yeah so um we have had quite a few listeners questions so let's try and get through as many as possible right so um let's start with at underscore tides um, he says, with Balogun popping off in France, what do you think is going to happen with him when he comes back, seeing as we've given Nketiah a new long-term contract? It's a good question. Uh, Balogun's going to come back and slap. That's what he's going to do. I feel like we might sell him. <laughs> hey, man, no, no, calm no. down, brother. Huh? Calm no, down, just, bro. just because I think the reality is, yeah, is that Jesus is the number one. He's only 25. Eddie's the number two at 20, what, 23, 24 years old. After the season, yeah, Balogun's going to want to come back and play. You know, and we're talking that, you know, we're all agreeing here that we need a winger. So there's another winger in ESR. So I just struggle to see if we're being honest and objective here, even if we're in the champion, where's where's his game time coming? You know, I, I really struggle. Like after having a season where you're constant number one week in, week out, and and I think you know people have mentioned this before. At the end of the day, him and Eddie have the same agent. They you know they, they essentially they want the same things. They both want to be number nines. You know I I'm just not sure we can give him what he wants. It, it depends on what he wants. Essentially, does he want to come back and be a bit part player? I'm not hundred percent convinced that will be the case. If so, cool. But I have a feeling he's going to want some assurances when he comes back. You know, and then we're going to have to make a decision. 
I, I said he would come back and bang, but my honest opinion is he will go on loan again. Because I've mm. seen, I've seen this is how his first loan, and this is going to be a successful loan. He's going to get double digits goals in, in league, um, which is a top five league. It's pretty mm. impressive for a team that usually don't finish the game with ten men and um, ten men, eleven men. And I appreciate, sure, you know, so he's, he's already doing really, really well over there. And I think the next loan, and I, I would in some way compare it to Broha, who had a loan at an Eredivisie and then yeah. had a loan in the Premier League um, yeah. where he plays, he played week in, week out. So I think Balogun will look, I, I think what they should be doing with Balogun's development is looking to loan him out to a Prem team. You know, I don't want them to be sold, but um, I think he's got a long-term contract with us now. So if he has a loan in a Prem, that is the best way of you know getting his value up. It worked with Joe Willock. Um, and I think that's the next step for him. And then we'll see where it takes him from there. Um, concurrently, we'd have to then also see how Eddie develops. You know, is Eddie gonna get any minutes? Is he gonna progress? Is he gonna, you know, start you know being a figure figurehead for the first team um in that season that Balogun is gonna be out and loan? If he doesn't, then there's a consideration that Eddie might be sold and Balogun actually comes in to take that number two spot. So I think it's quite fluid, but um, I think they will all be Arsenal players next season still. Mm. Yeah, I, th I I think he goes on loan again, to be honest. I think um, Balogun, Patino, Norton Cuffey, um, I think all three of them, we might see them in the Premier League next year, but probably on loan again. You know, And I think where you have to view it is that you look at where Arsenal are in their project, um, if we're in the Champions League next season, um, you know, is it the best thing for their development and for Arsenal if they're in the squad? And I'm not sure that's the that's the case, right? So um, I think, oh my god, um, um, <laughs> I think um, you know if if that's uh, if that's the case, um, yeah, I can see them being on loan again. You know, um, for me. The best thing would be for him to go and learn again. And I think having him around and knowing that he's there doing well, it puts extra pressure on, on Eddie and Ketia, um, I think, to to make a decision about his career, really. Because, you know, if Balogun comes in and he's in it, he's in training and he's, you know, he's he's looking sharp and he's slotting. Um, and he's maybe showing a little bit more than what Eddie's showing, this and the other. Maybe Eddie says, right. Um, I want to go somewhere, be the starter, and Balogun, you can come take that 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 second fiddle spot to to someone like Jesus, you know. And I think if at the end of next season, if Eddie is not necessarily starting Premier League games, you know, maybe he's not getting twenty league starts next season as well. I can see him pushing to leave and go and play football, and then that's when um, Balogun comes comes that's to step in. So. Comes to step in because I think Eddie deserves his shot um, yeah. at Arsenal. Um, I think he's done enough to to be to be given that that chance. But you know, Gabriel Jesus is a very very good player, you know, and it's going to take a lot to displace him and dislodge him. And I think Eddie will probably, um, if we are in the Champions League, play a lot more minutes next year. Um, um, sharing sharing a lot of games and playing in the Champions League is 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 a massive um, honor, I think. You know, and he'll be happy to to do that a lot more than um, 
playing in Europa League and probably be playing with a stronger squad as well, really being able to showcase what he can do. So, you know, I think it's it's definitely one to watch, but I can see that going um, uh, in a number of different different directions, really. So, so yeah. Um, another question. Well, so we kind of touched on this one as well. This is from Tondre One. He said, at what point will Jesus' lack of direct Goals become a concern. Despite the poor refereeing on Sunday, he had multiple chances to put the game to bed and currently sits second for most big chances missed. I think he's only behind Patrick Bamford, who actually hasn't scored um, this season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not too fussed um, about that one, to be honest, because if, if I tell you the, the other names on that list, so... Harland is there. He's, yeah, he's just behind. Um, but on that list, can you can you read out the shot conversion? Because I think his yeah. shot conversion is still not awful. Like I think as long as it's ten percent yeah. shot conversion. Some of them man have five percent shot conversion on that yeah. list, man. Yeah. I think I think I think I think it's just one you just have to wait and see how it plays out for now. Anyway, we just got to see what the story look. We got to see what the story looks like. Um, at the moment, the sample size is still very, very small. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when we had Oba and he was clapping, Oba was still missing a lot of big chances. Uh, the reality is, and I remember Cavani was always one of those guys who was top of those big chances missed. But, you know, we always spoke about a good big quality. Well. Yeah, exactly. We've always spoken about a big quality of a striker is to continuously get chances, you know. And, and one of the things that, you know, look, look how it's just gone 180. We were moaning that we had a striker last season that didn't get any chances. So now we obviously we've got a striker that has chances, but isn't the most um, obviously clinical with them. So let's hope, let's see, you know, sometimes just finishing can be a variance thing as well. It can just, it can be, it can be linked to confidence. It can be linked to a matter of things. So for our sakes and for his sake, hopefully he can, he can, he can pick that up. You know, generally speaking, if you look at it now, he's still on course to what score like 20 goals in the league, but mm. let's, let's, let's see how, let's, let's see how it pans out. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so next question from Count Dracula, he says, is Saka and Martinelli are, are Salah and Mane comps, should we consider Jesus to be our Firmino? It might work that way because at the end of the day, he's the one who's transformed and is the one doing a lot of facilitation of the attack at the moment. Um, you know, I think Jesus has got a bit more X factor about him. It's funny because, you know, we've been, you know, Firmino was criticized throughout that Liverpool period for not being a consistent goal scorer. And now it turns the time that he's actually slowed down. He's become more clinical, you know, as it's, a, it's mad how it works. But I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I feel like for me, the project should be concentrated on Sacra Martinelli. They're mad at the star boys. They're mad at the guys I can see. You know, it's probably a debate to be had. Do we think these guys can become clinical, consistent finishers uh, over time? Maybe they won't, because if you look at it, Salah was another one who was quite high at the top of big chances missed. Do you know what I mean? So Salah used to I miss mean, a lot. List, yeah, <laughs> Salah, Salah, miss, Salah misses a lot. But no one really cares too tough because Salah scores a lot. Do you know what I mean? So, And it was the same with Mane. So the reality is our forwards are going to miss chances. If we can be what we've seen like so far this season, where we are continuously, continuously creating, then I don't think it's much of a big issue anyway. So... Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't disagree um, with you on that one. Someone said, "Oh, he's also said." P.S. Thoughts on Declan Rice? Not fan. DT. 
Bro, for me, Declan Rice, that is a big, big price tag. And then there's a number of question marks um, for me. Um, I think he's a good player, but not good enough for the price warranted. I think um, we have to be smart in the market. And if we go big, it has to be like a complete banker. Like, like a, like a, it has to be a banker, you know? I, I, I don't want to see us spend 80 million on um, Declan Rice um, or anything like that. Um, I'd rather go into the market, find someone for 40, 50, um, even 30 mil. Um, right now, we still have Partey, um, but I, I, I think we need to add a center midfielder. But um, there's players out there, in my opinion, um, on for the wing and for the center midfield position. And um, I would not be spending big on um, Declan Rice. The only, I think there's f- maybe three midfielders I would really spend big on. Um, and you know, I don't think they're attainable. So, um, you know, I think they would fit us stylistically, but I don't think they're attainable. So one of, I say them as well, one of them from me is definitely Bruno G. So I would definitely spend big on him because I'm completely convinced by his quality. He's another one, yeah, I think he's a banker. And then another one in, t- in terms of quality, I feel like he can be a world beater and he can be a banker and he's already moving there as Bellingham. So that's that's two. And then the third one, I think, you know, it remains to be seen if he's ever going to be attainable, but I still like Kamavinga loads. So those are three players I would absolutely spend big money on. The rest, I'm like, you know, just find an alternative. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I would have to agree. I'm so, and the thing is, I feel like I'm so out of the loop with scouting all these players. Like there's new names coming up every single week, right? There's, um, you know, I'm seeing people talk about Edson Alvarez, um, at Ajax, there's Enzo Fernandez, Benfica. There's what was that? Uh, uh, SVR Lefay. Um, you know, that's hey, coming that, out. Hey, hey, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm that sorry. guy looks that, cold. I'm sorry, Jonah Dan. I'm so that guy looks brazy, bro. That is um, literally like my aesthetic type of midfielder. He um, looks, looks cold. You know, Enzo I, I, I need that, bro. There's a lot of players <laughs> out there, you know, like obviously Bruno G came out of when well, he didn't really come out of nowhere, but. You know, Leon had some 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 really good midfielders. You know, Awa, um, Bruno G, Kakare, uh, Paqueta as well. You know, so there's midfielders um, out there. So you know, when they're talking about the price tags that I'm seeing from Declan Rice, and the thing is, I actually think Declan Rice is a good player. I think he's both yeah, overrated. I think he's both overrated and underrated in the same vein. That I think some mm-hmm. of these English pundits talk him up to be something that I don't think he is. But then I think to counteract that, people then talk down on um, the actual player um, mm-hmm. that he is, you know. And I don't think he's playing under a very, you know, progressive coach, really. And I don't think he's got the best of midfield partners um, either. So I almost think that he's he's even overworked um, in, that, in that West Ham team. And he'd be someone that I would be interested to see how he does under... Um, under, I think, one of these more modern coaches. And I'd be interested to see how they, they utilise um, a player like Rice, because I do think he has he's got quite a, a big um, midfield um, skill set, both in terms of sort of his off-the-ball ability in winning the ball and intercepting, etc., And then his ability to, to carry the ball up the, up the pitch as well, I think, is very good. Um, so, you know, that's one to watch. If you're talking... A more reasonable fee in that forty to fifty million pound range with a year left on his contract, then yeah, I would say go by all means go do it, man. Because I think he probably does have the the skill set to be um, a good midfielder in a good uh, in a, in, a, in a good uh, team 
But the price tags being talked about, I agree with Dan that I think, you know, there's alternatives that you can get that can probably um, give you um, the, the the same level of quality, potentially. And even more. I think there's players mm. out there that cost less that can give you more, mm. to be honest. So, mm. it's, yeah. Um, this one, quite funny. Why is, why is Dan moving like Kenny in the orange hoodie? That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> hey, man, don't watch me. Um, um, next question from Lee versus Lee. Shout out, Lee. Um, Pagan. Do, do, <laughs> do, do Arsenal have a plan B if the free-flowing tetable isn't working? With the current players we have, what's your choice of a plan B? Um, I, think, I think he has the... I'd like to see him again. I was surprised. I don't know. He, did, he didn't load it on Sunday. But the 3-5-2, I liked it when we're chasing games, you know. Yeah. I thought that yeah, was, you know, if you remember, what was the game we used? I think it was, was it Fulham. Fulham, Fulham at home. Fulham. Yeah, and, and, Aston, and Aston Villa, yeah. Was it yeah, both like of those, it. yeah. Mm. And you just, you know when he loads that one, yeah, the T, they're under pressure. Bro, they, I can't lie, they... he needs to load it from the start. Do you think mm. so? From the start, it's not in the forest. Look up from the start, bro. Yeah, Eddie get all the get all the get all the hoopers on. Get all the hoopers on. Eddie the pitch. and Jesus up top. Let's load that, man. No, no, no. Second, second, Martinelli wing backs, yeah, just yeah, well, yeah. I think so, you know. Christmas at home. I think that's, I think that's a very, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a bad shout at all, right? Because like, obviously, we're talking about um, not necessarily having a control with Zinchenko being out. I don't think he's got full trust in in Tierney at left back at the moment. So uh-huh. why not just go? All out. I think the thing is for me, I think Eddie is good enough to be starting matches for us in the Premier League, personally. Um, I think he's quite unfortunate to not be getting games. And I think with that 3-5-2 position, it gets the people doing what they're best at, man. Jesus and Eddie pressing you from the front, that's hell for a defence. That's absolute hell. Yeah, because we know what Eddie can do pressing. He, He gets... A, like two goals a season just off the press, right? Um, and Jesus, a pressing, a pressing monster, right? And then you've got Saka one side, Martinelli the other, Cookyman 1v1, uh, Odegaard and Xhaka doing their thing between the lines as well, and then party orchestrating. No, nah, man, yeah, done. Yeah, load that, man. Load it. Load it yeah. up. And, and, and then what? Gabriel Saliba and White at the back, yeah? Gabriel yeah, Saliba, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Come on, Actually, man. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Load, load that. Load that. Let me see that. <laughs> Let me see that. Let me see yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, Why not, man? Know. Why not? I, I, and to be honest, I do think that's a really good... Um, Plan B, by the way. I like it, yeah. Um, I, I, think I think so. Really I think good. I think it's a great plan B from Arteta. Now, you know, we were speaking about last season, we didn't really have that, you know? And the two times I've seen it this season when a team scored a goal, because I remember that, I, we, yeah, I remember that Fulham game. We literally conceded, then I thought it was like, no, 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 come. And he just loaded that straight away. And then the yeah. momentum just, it was just, yeah, it was just laying siege, laying siege. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Load, load up, load up, load that team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that guy, Daryl, he says, is it worrying signs that we can't finish our food in front of goal or just a slight blip? See this is this conversation about finishing is a hard one, man. Like what? Because as a as I do generally agree with the premise that I don't think Arsenal are a ruthless team. Like we're just not. Like you know we don't really have clinical clinical finishers. So it's a fair point. But 
I don't know, man. I'd, but then again, like I see City and Liverpool, them team they waste bare chances themselves. Well, I always say, I always say that's what. Do you remember when we used to freeze frame one chance a game? I was always yeah. adamant. Like we should be getting five, six chances a game. Now we're yeah. getting them, and we're missing yeah. them. Like the other teams, now <laughs> yeah, there's a few more chances. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Nah. It's true. It's true. I just, I, just, I think it just, it's, it is what it is. It happens. Yeah. Like Salah doesn't score one goal off one chance. It's very rare. Like you know, Salah misses chances. Mm. Um, so it is what it is, man. It is what it is. I just think. Yeah, that's I'm not why too I, worried, man. I yeah, think that that's happens with a lot of the big teams that yeah, you know, when they don't win, it's because they've missed chances. Yeah, yeah, generally, generally, and it's actually a good sign that we are beco- not, not becoming. Becoming, we, we are, are that side. Yeah, 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 yeah. That we actually, if we don't win, it's because we've missed our chances. And and, and we might like single and, and, errors. And and that and that's the thing. That's why sometimes maybe you don't always even need to micro analyze games because the reality is. If we are taking those chances in the first half against Southampton, everything else doesn't matter. Done, it's literally yeah, it's it's, it, yeah. it's 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 a non-entity because then you could just be like, because you, you could definitely, if you really wanted to, you could look at it through that lens. Whereas, of well, we just didn't we didn't score a second goal. If we had scored a second goal, that game's done, and there's mm. there's nothing else to discuss essentially. So, yeah, it's fair. So yeah, for me, just keep creating the chances, man. Mm. And to already that the second top scorers after City. You know, uh, we're, we're making these chances. I think in all but one, um, I think in all our home games, actually, we've scored at least two goals, if not three goals um, yeah, yeah. at home. Um, and, you know, we're averaging over two goals a game at the moment. So, you know, I can't now turn around and say, yeah, boy, uh, we need to start finishing better. We need to do this and the other because one game... Um, you know, or two games have only scored one goal, that kind of thing. I think, you know, we need to look at this holistically. We need to look at it in a long-term basis. And it's that if you're creating these, this amount of chances every single game, we're going to be, we're going to be slapping teams. And I think yeah, we're actually I was, I was, due a crashing. We're due a crashing on someone. I was, I, was, I was just about to say that. I think there's going to be a game where we probably slap someone like five, six nil this season. It, like, you know, when we talk about we're missing chances, missing chances, there'll be a game where, Every chance just goes in because I think that's just the the reality and the variance of how football works sometimes as well, man. So, mm. inshallah, it's this weekend. Boy, I need I need I need that man because actually let let, 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 let that be against um Chelsea. Against Chelsea, <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, listen, I said it in the group. Yeah, I said if we beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, man, you're gonna need yeah, to put. A, crazy, a, huh? they're, gonna, they're gonna they're gonna need to put a muzzle on me, bro, because I'm gonna be talking. I'll be talking wreck. Yeah, and I'm gonna need it on that because Potter was my guy, but now he manages the ops. So hey, him, man. Sterling, I need you man's downfall, bro. One that Calvin Harris Lee gonna looking looking fella, man. One <laughs> bro. But, I mean, he, he, he he thinks he's nice because he's getting HD cut trims now. Yeah, cut <laughs> trims. Oh God. He's wearing cost clothing and everything. Fake, yeah, fake, I mean, fake journeyman, man. Fake journeyman. I'm not, I'm not having him. I'm not having him. Um, yeah, so Zambian Guna, he says, do you think the recent drop in intensity is due to the majority of our squad not used, not being used to this every three-day schedule? I include Jesus in this as he never started as many games as this. Only exceptions are Xhaka and Partey. You know that free game thing is I'm sorry, you know that free game thing, yeah. Um yeah, free day thing. I feel like I think we as Arsenal fans are overblowing it because other yeah. teams are playing as well, you know. 
Spurs have played tonight. You know, Chelsea have played yesterday. They'll be playing on the weekend. You know, they didn't get to rest their star boys. They didn't get to rest their key players. Them men are playing. So we need to just get on with it. And I think I dropped some nice codes saying, listen, if you want to be a top player, if you want to play for this football team, where we want to go, you have to play 60, 70 games. It's as simple as that. So get your body right for that. That's, mm. that's how I look at it. Mm. I, I think it's been affecting us, um, you know, but it affects everyone. You know, that schedule mm. affects everyone. So still win games, get through that, man. Plus as well, like... Um... You know, a lot of these guys, like so, someone like Ben White, Ramsdale, they they played in the lower leagues, right? They play a lot of games in the lower leagues yeah, as well. You know, say, yes, you know, 46, 46 games a season in the league plus the cups that they play as well. So you know, they're used to that schedule. Um, you know, Partey, um, Xhaka, Jesus, they've all done the the whole two games a week thing. Um, you know. Uh, Partey was at Atletico, you know, all, like for the majority of his career. He knows what it's like to play midweek and um, and on the weekend as well. So I, ju I just think, yeah, they need to rise it. Plus, um, um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, I was going to say, plus, like, at the end of the day, if you want to be at a top club and you want to be playing Champions League, I think what... And what you've said and what Arteta said is is 100% the truth, right? Like, everyone wants to go play the massive game against Real Madrid at Bernabeu on a Wednesday. And then when it comes to playing Southampton, no one wants to then just sit on the bench. You get what I'm saying? So, you know, I think a lot of these guys, um, they need to, 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 to get used to it. And I, and, I, and I don't think, I think the fact that fans talk about fatigue so much it makes it into an issue for the players sometimes. Like they tell themselves that they're tired when actually you're fine. You can give me an extra 10%. Do you get what I mean? And I, I don't actually like it when um, managers use it as an excuse because, you know, you know the fitness of these guys. You know what they can and can't handle or you should, or the medical staff should. Um, and so if they're not if they're not fit, don't play them, man. And if they are, I'll, I'll tie, take them off. Um, so for me, I think it's overblown. A lot of these men haven't played more, haven't started more than two um, Europa League games either. We've not played any cup games. So, you know, really and truly, like, they shouldn't be that exhausted at this point. I think when you get to, you know, uh, the February February and March time, after you've had a busy January, after you've had a busy December, etc., I think that's when fatigue really comes and plays a part because that's an accumulation of, you know, months of, um, of, of, of lack of rest. But... You know, we're in October, you know, we're in October. Arsenal actually had only two games in September as well because of the, you know, the Queen, the Queen's um, funeral, etc. So really, truly, these men, they should be fresh as far as I'm concerned. They should be fresh. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not really trying to hear fatigue at this stage of the season, really. Um, have I missed any more? Questions. Uh, last question, right? This is from Yonko Abs. He says, considering he's only 25 and finishing is probably the only aspect of his game that he needs to improve, what is Jesus' ceiling? And second question, are there examples of forwards improving their finishing to a world-class level over one or two years? I mean, to be fair, we have examples because Omri was a terrible finisher initially. But, I mean... 
and RVP wasn't the best. They both had to be convinced to play up top. But I don't know, man. We we just have to wait and see. I mean, if Azu's finishing patterns out, the reality is he's probably going to end up like Real Madrid in a couple of seasons, bro. Yeah, the, the if reality it, is Real Madrid was looking at him this summer as well. Yeah, true, true, very true, very true. So, and the only reason they didn't get him was because they didn't have any more non-EU space. So. Um, they couldn't even move for and it, and it, oh, it's, no, it's, it's, it's only now they could do because Vinicius got his Spanish passport yeah. so but before that they couldn't do it so yeah the reality is if he if he's finishing patterns out then yeah he might not be here very long so so just unless unless yeah. we're a serious team yeah unless we're like a super club essentially unless we turn into a super club ourselves so wait so yeah I need that man. <laughs> <laughs> I need that man. Um, I, I do think that question is interesting because I do I do remember I'm trying to think I think Aubameyang he scored loads of goals at Saint Etienne but mm. when he came up to Dortmund I kind of felt like this guy man just missing bad chances and then he just started rising it man he was just scoring like he started playing on the wing for Dortmund at first right wing I remember because he used because Lewandowski was up top in it and he was on the wing yeah and the first game he actually started with a bang I think he scored a hat trick in his first game. Yeah. And then after that, it was just like, yeah, when is this guy going to score? And then he start, you know, he start playing for the middle, just became yeah, a demon, just... man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I um, mean, yeah. On a, on, a, on a lower on a lower level, not necessarily a world class finisher, but I remember um, reading an interview with Odem Wengi. Right, this is like way back. This maybe like ten years ago when he first moved to West Brom. Um, he couldn't hit a barn door. Right, and um, he said that he saw a sports psychologist that, like, basically, he talked through sort of how he felt when he like had a chance or a chance was presented to him, and it really helped him calm down in front of goal. And I think after that, he had his best goal scoring season, scored like sixteen goals or something for West Brom before you know he started doing all that nonsense um in the in the transfer window but i think a lot of it a lot of finishing is psychological man and it's just about composing yourself um at the right at that right time because i think some you look at players like you know ronaldo um as well who when he was younger i think he had quite inconsistent finishing and then he just basically turned into a goal machine you know um in front of goal um and and so i just think you know at 25 this might be, it's very likely that this is just who Jesus is, but I also think that finishing is a skill that can be learned when you have the technique, right? And a lot of it comes down to composure. And that's what I'm hoping um, happens with the likes of Saka as well, that he just calms himself down in front of goal because these guys have got the technique to pick a side and slot it, you know? They've got the, the technique and they've got the quality to do it. So, you know, I'm hoping that you know they can they can make the right decisions maybe off the field talk to the right people and and just get that calmness in front of goal that's now which doctor that's what we need oh god <laughs> <laughs> but anyways guys i'm gonna leave it there um 25 to 12 actually jeez yeah damn yeah so a uh, bit of a late one but i hope you guys have enjoyed that one um we've got psv away um on Thursday uh I think we just need a point there to top the group and that will hopefully give us a full week off before yeah, Chelsea because I, I, you know, I, I want to see I, to I want to see Serjan playing um <laughs> I, I want to see you know 
whoever play Enwaneri again. Do you know what I'm saying? I need to see. <laughs> I need to see all of them, man, um, in that final Europa League game because we've done the business against PSV, and hopefully doing the business means that we can we can give it give Nottingham Forest a crashing as well. So um, there will be a Nottingham Forest preview at some point tomorrow on Thursday. Um, so look out for that on the Patreon. And if you haven't uh, signed up to Patreon, make sure that you do uh, because there will be more um, pre and post match content out there um, for you. So, Sean, Dan, thank you for joining me, man. Nice, bro. Peace. And we'll catch you guys uh, after the PSV and not the first games. Peace. Network.